Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. <laughs> I almost yeah. fucked it up. <laughs> Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. And today we're going to be discussing the 12th episode of Season 4 titled Chris Angel is a Douchebag. Jamie, what did you think? I was in fact correct. You were like almost exactly correct. <laughs> I was correct. Yeah. It and, happens like, a lot. <laughs> Here's the thing. Some of them I'm like, I have a feeling like I'm 90%. Like Lazarus Rising. I was mm-hmm. pretty confident in my prediction because I'd heard a lot of like stuff around Lazarus Rising. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, I'm like, but this, I never heard this title before other than as like a joke, but like. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, you were exactly the exact, Yeah. The exact premise. Exactly. <laughs> the only difference is it wasn't an accident. It was someone purposefully mm. versus like accidentally. That's like. The tiny semantic difference. Yes. But it was basically mad, like magicians. Doing real magic. Yeah. 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 No, you were exactly on the money. And I was like really excited last week. I was like, oh yeah, that's literally exactly the point of the episode. So did you have any immediate like thoughts or anything you wanted to cover specifically? Yes. yes. There is one point that it just annoys me so much. Mm. It's It just defies any sense of logic. Okay. Mm. So the first okay. dude that dies with the swords, right? Yes. Literally no swords anywhere there. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just he's magically stabbed. He's yeah. got all the stab wounds, but there's no knife. There's no blades. There's nothing. Yeah, I know exactly where you're going with For this. For some reason, the second dude, there's a magic rope. Why is there a fucking magic rope? <laughs> what Why is that? Is, what I want to know is, okay, so the rope itself was not magic. The rope was like, I don't know, possessed by yeah. the magic of the card. And... Here's the thing. I liked the effects. Like, just as a quick aside, I kind of thought it looked cool. But my question is, why did he have a rope there in the first place? I'm going to guess magician stuff. Like, I guess. But also, like, they made the point that, like, the executioner is a trick that not even Houdini would have attempted. And, like, the snippets that we get of this guy's magic, it doesn't seem like he was really doing much of the traditional... Like, that was kind of the point, right? So I don't know why he had a rope in the first place. And I agree. Like, it shouldn't have been necessary. We could have just had him, like, choking. Yeah. Like, I... Anyway. I'll and then it would have been, like, you know how the first death was really weird? Because, like, he's stabbed, but there's, like, mm-hmm. no holes in his shirt. There's no knife. There. Yeah. It's like, clearly something it's funky clearly something funky. On. If this dude died and it looked like he had been, like, hung to death, but there was no rope. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, if he had, like, rope burn, but rope there was burn, no... Rope but there was no rope anywhere. And yeah. And it was, like, well, did some... Like, did he hang himself and then somebody cut him down? Or, like... Yeah, exactly. Like... I, I 100% agree with you. It, it it does defy logic. That's a really good way of putting it. <laughs> it just, it's not consistent. If both crime scenes mysteriously had murder weapons or both of them didn't, it should have been both of them. Yes. I also have a question about this thing. Yes. I love that we both picked on this specifically. But my we're thing, we're sharing the fucking brain cell right now. My <laughs> My thing is that I don't understand... Ceiling fans. Yes. Okay. I, mm-hmm. That's not my sentence. I do understand ceiling fans. That's not I mean, what I meant. personally, I'm a big fan. <laughs> oh, that's... Okay. Dad, we've unlocked a dad joke, Jamie, now. We've <laughs> heard of the repertoire. No, so I... When I am just, like, lying on a bed with a ceiling fan above me, right? And it's, like, whirring away. 
do they ever feel particularly like unstable to you? Like older ones, and they like really rickety. I I had a fear when I was a child. That I, it was just going to like drop been, out of the roof yes. and land on you while still and spinning. I was going to get chopped yeah. into pieces because I watched that Mythbusters episode where they did tested the thing about could you get decapitated by a ceiling fan. Yeah. And ultimately, I think the answer was no, but you could get pretty badly injured. Yeah. And I, I must have been like a relative or someone's house that I stayed at relatively like mm. – commonly as like a, a family friend or something yeah, like because I have, someone that you knew growing up right and i must have stayed there because i have memories of just staring at this fucking rickety ceiling fan and not being able to sleep because i'm just thinking the whole time it's gonna fall on me and i'm gonna get chopped into pieces and so i can't a totally rational fear exactly thank you thank you for this validation i needed it but yeah so like watching the scene i'm like i i know it's a horrible thing that is happening like mm-hmm. a man is literally dying but all I can think about is, like, no, the ceiling fan cannot bear the weight of that person. Like, there is no way. If I if I grabbed a ceiling I mean, fan and hung would. from it, Honestly, don't you think I would rip it out of the ceiling? Like, if, like, if I was standing fans, if, if ceiling fans are installed correctly, they can take a decent amount of weight. The reason they Why? wiggle is because having the stability is actually more damaging. Because then if there's something that's unbalancing oh. it, it's going to damage the bracket that's holding it in versus just wobbling a little bit. I never thought about it that way. That's actually really clever. Hmm. I wish I'd known that as an eight-year-old. It probably would have made me feel a hell of a lot better. God damn it, Jamie. <laughs> Where was your ceiling fan knowledge while I was lying, trying not to... Oh. Try to... <laughs> try Construction, to Jamie, is back. <laughs> so, talking about... You know, something that we get Magician Sam this week. I, okay, I love the fact, we've talked before about how Witch Sam is like a yep. future like mm-hmm. series, like headcanon mm-hmm. that I really love. And I adore We it. move away from Psychic Sam. We, we Sam. pivot. Yeah. And I, I, I mentioned before, I love that headcanon so very much. And we're going to talk about it a lot when we get to later seasons. But I adore that we get the like inference well, not even the inference. I love that we get the mention of Sam's magic phase when he was, like, 13. I love that, like, it's like witch Sam foreshadowing. And I... <laughs> it's beautiful. It's so cute. And I can just imagine little Sam. Like, John is out on a hunt. It's day eight. Dean is just sitting on the couch putting up with Sam's 12th attempt at the same card trick. Do you know what I need, though? What? I need an AU where Sam never grew out of his magic stage. Oh, my God. And so he just, like, he went away to, like, magician school or whatever. Like, <laughs> no, he did engineering so he could work out how to build better, like, illusions and tricks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> AU Supernatural where Sam didn't run away to Stanford. He ran away to magician camp. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> or, or he could still go to Stanford, but like study something like engineering or something so that he can work out how to do more magic no, tricks. No, I'm, and, like, build I'm them. sorry. The argument between John and Sam is, he's is so like, much funnier if Sam's like, I want to go to clown college. Yeah, basically go to, go to circus school to like become a magician. That's the funniest thing. Sam, Sam didn't run away to college. He ran away with the circus. Okay. But he's so scared of clowns. <laughs> Maybe that's why he needs the magic. No, he like he joined like Cirque du Soleil. That doesn't really have Okay. Plans. Not like your traditional yeah. clown. More like acrobatic sort of circus. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
all right. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> we, whenever we get around to writing some kind of crack fic, which I think we should, as like yeah. a podcast thing, I think we should a do A collaborative that. crack fic. I think that would be Obviously, so Obviously, Ben's going to be the main character. Obviously. I do think we should write a crack fic a, oh my God, wait, no, I just had a brainchild. Okay. Crack fic a you. Sam has run away to magic school yeah. or like clown college, wherever, yeah. wherever we want to go. Probably performing not arts school of performing some sort. Performing arts, but like mm-hmm. for street performance. Yeah. Okay. Right. And then John's missing, but it's a race between the demons and Dean to get to Sam, to get him out. Like, like they're both trying to get him. Mm. So like Meg and he's trying to infiltrate <laughs> the magic. <laughs> I'm sorry. I that might be so stupid, but it is really funny to my sleep deprived brain right now. I I need that immediately. We need to move on. And clearly, in this <laughs> AU like Jess is like a clown, and it's star-crossed lovers. Like oh my god, enemies to lovers. <laughs> yeah, and, enemies to lovers. Like we're giving Jess an actual character arc in this because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the show. Oh doesn't. my god, does she die in a tragic tightrope accident? <laughs> no, in a magic trick gone wrong, she burns. Oh my god! Like, what's that thing where like the lion or whatever jumps through the flaming hoop? Yeah. Except it's like super like. Inhumane. I was thinking, you know, the the magic trick where they like make someone disappear and it looks like it's just like a, a flash of like. Fire. Oh my god! Yes, like that, but it goes wrong and she like burns to death. <sighs> I'm laughing. Why far is too much so this? compelling? <laughs> We need to stop. We need to keep. We're on a. We're on a fucking time, time crunch today. today. Okay. Don't blame <laughs> me. Wasted ten minutes already. Don't blame me that the Sam magician AU just writes itself. It's You're not so my right. fault. You're so right. Okay, I do love magician Sam. I do think it's hilarious. At a later date, we also get theater kid Sam. Ooh. So just imagine theater kid magician Sam. Yes. Yes. And instead of going to Steph, he went to, like, Juilliard. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And then he dropped out of Juilliard to join the circus. I... As a traveling magician. What a... What a beautiful story. I... (laughs) I just imagine, like, Dean is, like, fully... Oh, my God. You could do such an interesting concept with this. Because you could have, like... Sam pulling a rabbit out of a hat and like Dean, you cut to Dean finding a rabbit carcass because of the witch he's hunting. And then you could have like Sam who's like doing the like sawing the person in half trick. And then you cut to Dean who's like soaring off a vampire's head. You could really do a lot here. And then you could do this entire episode premise. Yeah. As in a magician accidentally doing actual magic. Ooh. But with Sam because he's fucking psychic. Oh my God. And he doesn't realize And he doesn't know it. that he's doing it. Oh my god. Because he's. That's. Oh my god, yes, because he turns 22 and then all of a sudden his like magic, like, starts quote unquote, kicking in. Comes like, to the, oh yeah. my god, yes. Suddenly he can do tricks that he couldn't do previously Suddenly because he's acing all his classes. His telekinesis is coming in, like. Fuck, yes! Oh my god. Oh my god. He gets a job, like a side hustle as like a fortune teller because he can see the future. I'm obsessed with this. This is. I didn't know this is where this episode was going to go. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> um, so if you want to write that and send it to us, that would be great. Maybe, do you know what? Maybe we might have written it by the time we, we release this episode. We have 
on our Discord. If you haven't gone and checked out our Discord, here's your free invitation. It's in our link tree. You can mm-hmm. find it in the episode description or on our Twitter as well. Yeah, because now actually in the episode description. Yeah, thanks to Jamie <laughs> because I neglected to ever do that. We got 60 episodes in and I was like, oh, hey, maybe we should include any sort of links. Exactly. So if you want, we do have a specific section in our Discord for fix, like anything to do with fix. So fic recommendations, fic... Prompts like, from fic ideas. Yeah, like, like anything, anything everything so if anyone is interested in doing some kind of collaborative crack fic in that channel i think that would be really fun so head on over there if you're into it you know if no one cares then we'll just let it go but i think it could be fun if anyone is down for a fun silly group project when dean finally finds him sam can get away from ghosts by doing like sleight of hand magic okay That is a great segue because one of the things that I wanted to talk about is the fact that Sam is supposed to be tailing Jay and he loses him and he's like, how did you lose him? I literally said he's a magician as Sam was saying he's a magician. (laughs) Oh my God, Jamie, your Sam coding is coming out strong today. It's just the psychic Jamie and the psychic Sam. Like it's the connection. The the psychic connection. You're so right. Okay. I mean, I I fucking predicted ScoMo. Like what? What the fuck? Didn't even mean to. Oh, God. Uh, Yeah, that was that's something else. You don't even know the things you've said. The people listening, they know what I'm thinking about when I say that. And, uh, yep. So, moving on from from that, is there anything else that you wanted to, that you specifically wanted to dive into, or are you happy for me to... I just... Look, we do this all the time on the Leverage pod, so it's time to do it on the Supernatural pod. Referring back to Leverage. Okay. (laughs) I find it really funny that Leverage's episode about magicians is like this really like fun thing where they're pretending to be magicians. And then Supernatural's version is like this really fucking dark thing about like how immortal life corrupts you. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's a bit intense. I... I find it interesting that this plot point is in season four and not season three. Like, would this plot point not have made more sense than fucking time is on my side? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Right? Right. Like, we get some other plot kind of stuff in this episode, which we'll touch on later. But other than that, there is nothing that really would have prevented this episode being in the place of time is on my side. You could easily switch out all of, like, the overarching plot-relevant stuff in this episode for, like, Dean's Dill-relevant stuff for Season 3. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, perhaps this was an episode pitched for, for season, season 3 that they never got to do because of the writer's strike, and they liked the idea so much they just brought it back. Yeah, and that does make sense. Like, I can understand... Obviously, there was so much going on. We talked a lot yes. about, like, the writer's strike and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And so I can imagine if this was something that someone wanted to pitch for season three, like, I can absolutely see that. Yeah. Like, it just makes a lot of sense. Uh, especially especially the amount of emphasis that Jay puts on the fact that, like, Charlie is like his brother. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that... They're really... Supernatural's really like, hmm... If we could make it a parallel, we're going to make it a parallel. It yes. doesn't matter if it's a stretch. It's a parallel. <laughs> I do think, though, that what is really, really interesting about that particular sort of framing of, like, obviously it's sort of like the parallel of Dean and Sam and Jay and Charlie, mm. I do really like 
the some of the way that it gets put across. Like, and actually, I want to talk very briefly. How do I want to do this? Actually, no, I'm going to finish my first point. Okay. And then I'm going to come back to my new point instead of trying to do them. That's the, weirdly organized. I, you, Beth, are you look, feeling okay? No, I am so stressed and tired, <laughs> but I'm having fun. So it's fine. So the thing I wanted to talk about is the very end of this episode when the brothers go and they're like, oh, we wanted to, or Dean says, we wanted to thank you for what you did yesterday. And Jay's like, what, murdering my fucking friend? And they're like, oh yeah, prom's not the best way to phrase it, eh? Anyway. But also instead of just saying, oh, we want to thank you for saving our lives, they yeah. phrase it as we want to thank you for what you did yesterday. So it's yeah. like, it's taking the emphasis off of the good thing the good thing and placing it on the objectively tragic thing yeah or not even necessarily placing it on the objective tragedy yeah but just like on the whole situation so like rather than focusing on like hey thanks for saving our lives like you say they're like thanks for what you did and that encompasses both saving them but it also encompasses killing his friend and it's and like, also when you know someone's just killed their friend they're gonna focus on, on the, the just killing their friend bit. yeah they're probably a little stuck on that. Yeah. I know I would be. <laughs> oh, you mean you wouldn't murder me if I was immortal and hungry for more power? No, I probably wouldn't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> True friendship. <laughs> I, I don't think I would. I, anyway. I, <laughs> I, hmm, hmm, oh, I, you know what? We're not going to go. We don't have time for this today. <laughs> you don't know how old I am. So, I mean, I do. But you really made me think for a second there. I was like, wait. And I was like, wait, no, I have memories of Jamie as a child. What are you talking about? Anyway. But do you? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> I specifically have memories. You were on my quiz team when I was in year six and you were in year seven. We were the J-Crabs. We were. <laughs> because the letter J didn't fit into the acronym of everyone else's first names because you were the crabs until I joined. <laughs> In retrospect, Crabs was not the best name to choose. Oh, God, that's some core memories. Anyway, lordy, lordy, this is a lot of information for this supernatural podcast that is not about supernatural, but in fact about our, tra- our childhood choices. Anyway. For me, it's also trauma. Because mm. I had no other friends that would mm. allow me on their team, and we weren't even really friends at that point. No. You were just the nicest group that would let me join your team because no one else wanted me on theirs. Okay. In the very last scene. Okay, so we're jumping right to the end now. Yes. You're, you've just decided, like, yes. new train of thought. Okay. Yep. No, 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 no. This is my same train of okay. thought. Okay. I'm just letting you know where it where it is. Okay. So. Bold of you to assume I have any memories of this episode. <laughs> so, Jay is talking to the brothers, and it's really interesting because they're both hearing the same words, but they are both having very individualized interpretations. And I think it's really fascinating because it's what Jay says that is what instigates Sam's choice right at the end. And we don't, well, I know, you don't know what Sam is choosing really because it's not provided to He's the He's choosing power. There yeah. is a cost to that power that we do not know yet, but he is choosing power. Yes. And it is really interesting because the reason why I thought of this was that you were talking about the parallels between, like, all the brothers. And I wanted to very quickly talk on how Sam, obviously, yes, he interprets it. And he's like, okay, I am going to take Ruby up on her offer. And Dean, in my reading, I think for him, it harkens back to 
the whole concept of when Cass says, if you don't stop him, we will. In the sense of like, Jay was like, well, I like Jay killed him, right? His brother figure. And also John saying, if you don't save Sam, you're going to have to kill him. And it's we should very... really give John a father of a year, the year award for that one, shouldn't we? <laughs> Psychic John. There's <laughs> <laughs> like four seasons too early. It's fine. Mm, yeah. So anyway, I just I thought that it was really interesting. Not necessarily the parallel. They've done the parallel, yeah. sort of effect a few times, but the way that the one sort of monologue could be completely differently interpreted Mm. by both characters and the way that the audience is able to fully observe and understand both interpretations and also the like connections that the characters have made to reach those conclusions I do think was really really well done and really effective I thought it was a very good piece of writing like I thought it was just employed very well you're nodding I'm not it. Yeah, I have nothing else to add. Okay, cool. I don't know who... Don't, wow, yeah. Good <laughs> no, character analysis, okay. Beth. That's like the one thing you do. Ow! <laughs> I like to think that I bring a certain je ne sais quoi to the podcast outside of my character analysis. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, someone's going to bring character analysis to the podcast and it's not going to be me. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, um... I do kind of want to talk sort of not necessarily that conversation, but like mm-hmm. the conversation around the conversation. Yeah. Um, the one that Sam and Dean have when they're talking about how they don't like Dean, especially is like, I don't want to be that agent still hunting. Yeah. I hope I die before I get old is in fact the quote. I wrote it in all caps with a crying emoji. And I'm sorry, but Dean, baby, sweetie, do you want to die young or have you just never imagined that you could live longer than 24? I, here's the interesting thing. Dean goes through, through the progression of the series, he goes from this very Kripke era sort of idealization of going out in a blaze of glory. Mm. And he progresses to the idea of wanting to retire and wanting to just settle down. And it's really interesting to like look at the broad picture and watch that progression because this is certainly not the perspective that he takes getting into the second half of the series. Like, through, yeah. Also, they slander the hell out of Bobby here. Yeah! And Rufus. Yeah! Which is just like, what the fuck, guys? (laughs) I mean, they have a point. Bobby is, like, the poster child for drama. But so are they, to be fair. And also, Bobby is, like, the exception to the rule, generally speaking, from what we can tell. Yeah. Like... I think Bobby and Rufus are the only two hunters we've met that I would say are over the age of, like, 50. Yeah. Everyone else has been, like, mid to late 30s, maybe early 40s. Yes, that. Or they have been older, but we've seen them die. Yes. So, like, we saw Elkins die. Mm -hmm. We saw John die. We saw um, uh, Caleb die. Like, we've seen, you know, all of the older hunters have kind of been knocked out Mm -hmm. one by one. Not necessarily like because of their age or anything it's just that's the plot that's sort of they've been killed not necessarily because they are hunting Mm. but because they were hunters yes like that's a key distinction like john's a bit of an exception because he was still hunting when he died yes however a whole bunch of the other ones that we see die that are older like Mm -hmm. elkins and like elkins has been retired for ages yeah like he had he'd quit Mm -hmm. and they come after him because he had hunted vampires previously yeah. and they wanted revenge. And, like, a whole bunch of the ones that we see in um, 
What's the one with the ghosts that target the hunters when Lilith breaks the seal? Oh, the witnesses. Yes. Uh, are you there, Goddess Me, Dean Winchester? Are you there, Goddess Me, Dean Winchester? All of the hunters that are targeted are targeted. Yeah. Not necessarily because they're still hunting, but because they'd previously been hunters. Yeah, because they had been in that yes. community. Oh, another one, an obvious one. Uh, Mary's parents, uh, Samuel and Deanna, both die, obviously, as an association of, yeah. of being hunters. And they weren't as old in that flashback that we see. But, you but know, also they are still hunting when they die. They are still hunting yeah. when they die. And also they would have been yeah. the older hunting generation, yeah. except they died mm-hmm. relatively young. They were still middle-aged. So... Yeah, it's it's certainly it's certainly an interesting conversation. It's really interesting for me with the hindsight or the foresight, I guess, of the rest of the series. But I I do think that it's interesting that this conversation is also part of what pivots Sam and his decision making and like the reason that he ends up, you know, going back to Ruby and being like, Okay, like I'm it's in because he doesn't want to be a hunter when he's that old. Yeah. Which is like... Sam I mean, out. if you just let the apocalypse happen, you'll probably be dead anyway. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> She'll be right, mate. And now we I think the list. point is that he doesn't want to die. I think... <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's pretty obvious, though, that I don't think Helen's going to let him die. Mm. Like, they let him die once, but that's because they still had Jake. Yeah. But now if he dies... There's obviously some kind of... There's some sort of protection around Sam Winchester that means he can't die. Yeah. I don't, And I don't necessarily know if it's that he can't die or that he can't be killed. I More think, specifically. Yeah. Because, it, I'm sorry, I'm going to go on about this again. Please. last season, they tried to welch on the deal. Dean mm-hmm. tried to welch on the deal. There is no reason in hell that if, <laughs> that if any demons <laughs> wanted him dead that he wouldn't be dead yeah. because they could have taken that clause at any time. And yes, I understand they want a deed in hell, but there's no clause that says, oh, but if you try to welch and you, you try to save yourself, we're going to kill Sam, but you're getting out of it then. Yeah. Like they could have. There's no reason they couldn't have, to have both. Exactly. So it's like there must be something about Sam that means for hell at least they can't kill him. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of imagining like as you're describing this, that, like, Sam is just kind of here in the middle of oblivious and, like, orbiting around him are, like, demons that are just, like, little bodyguards that he just yeah. doesn't know about, yeah. basically. And so it's like, yeah, no, they just are not going to let anything happen to Sam. That's... Yeah. I've got to imagine one's Meg. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, me. I miss my blowboard. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it is really interesting. I think it is a key part of what sort of pivots Sam. And next episode we are going to get a bit more of a look on Sam's position on hunting and the way that he grew up thinking about it versus how Dean grew up thinking about it. And what is actually really fascinating about that is that next episode was written by Andrew Darb as well. Mm. So given that Darb was the showrunner for the last seasons, it is going to be, I think, an interesting discussion to see how the characters are set up in that episode. And then when we get to the Darby era, reflecting back on how they were written earlier by Darby. Yeah, and also how their perspectives on hunting and what they want out of their long... Like, what kind of longevity they're expecting and, you know, what they want out of their lives is going to be And I would an like to topic. state for the record that this is way too much work that you have to put into enjoy a simple TV show. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just putting that out there. 
You shouldn't have to play 4D chess to enjoy a TV show. That seems like an awful amount of work. I enjoy the, the chess. I enjoy the four dimensions. What can I say? I've got a problem. Oh, that reminds me, actually. I really like the quote that we get from Dean when they're talking to Jay and they're saying, like, it could be Vernon, basically. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, it couldn't be Vernon. And I really like the quote from Dean, which is something along the lines of, I don't think it's verbatim, but real magic is a whole lot like crack. People do surprising things when they get a taste of it. And I really like that analogy for, like, just and here's the power thing. in general, but magic specifically. That analogy, it doesn't track to Vernon. It tracks to Charlie. Who yeah. is the actual one doing the magic? Like that's his entire reason. Like he got a taste of the magic. Uh-huh. He went through. He did all of the spells in the spell book. They were all real. Mm-hmm. He did the one from Immortal Life. Yeah, exactly. Like he just kept being like, "Well, what if I? What if I just did the next one? What? Like, what if I just did one more? Like, what? If I, just one more time." And I have a feeling because they emphasized it so hard in this episode, that's exactly where they're going with like Sam's plotline with his power. Like in terms of like he's. I don't know what he's doing to get the power because obviously yeah. he's doing something because otherwise the entire plotline with Ruby at the moment would make no sense. Yeah, if their whole conversation they had in this episode would make, make no, no sense. sense. Yeah. If like if it was just like his innate power or whatever, he must mm-hmm. be doing something to get the power yeah. that he is becoming addicted to because it's what he does to get the power. Mm. Or there's like a risk of addiction because in their conversation mm. uh, he says to her, like, I'm not doing that anymore, yeah. implying that he was doing it and did stop. Yeah. So there is sort of, like, whether or not he is currently in a state of addiction is, like, maybe up for debate, but the fact that he then goes back to her. Yes. There is a a risk implied through the dialogue and through the parallel. It's not a very um, subtle, like, metaphor for addiction, is it? Like, he's going through a relapse. Yeah. Because whatever he's doing to get his power is clearly tied to Ruby. Like, mm-hmm. they have not tried to hide that at all. Mm-hmm. Ruby's the one who introduced him to the power. Yeah. And now we haven't seen Ruby in a couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. And now she returns when he's ready to go back to having he that wants power. another hit. Yeah. 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 And I think that if that is, like, obviously I can't elaborate on it, like, too much, but what is interesting is that we talked about in the season three finale that Ruby waited until... Dean like, was dead, or the very last minute, like the day before Dean was dead, to, to be even like, float this idea. Yeah, she waited for waited for peak desperate Sam. Exactly, that's what I was just gonna say. She yeah. waited for him to be at his most vulnerable, and then she was like, "Hey, I have this offer." Yeah, and it's a similar tactic that we're seeing here. She's like, if you like, if you are, she correct, knows he's gonna relapse. It's just a matter of time. She's just waiting for him yeah. to hit that low point. Exactly. So at this point, it's actually almost a pattern of behavior on Ruby's part. Like, she has a clear tactic of, I will withdraw myself and therefore whatever it is that she's offering him and then wait for him to be desperate enough, just desperate enough that he still thinks he has a clear head. And thinks that he's in control. But I know that there's enough of an edge that I can get what I want. Yeah. And so I do think that that's a really, one, interesting tactic on her part. Two, a, clearly a very effective one. Yeah. And three, I do think that it is the most effective way to get through to Sam because Sam is so big on He's a bit autonomy. Contrary. 
if, if you say, Sam, do this, he goes, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Even if he was fully intending on doing it previously, yeah. as soon as you tell him to do something, he's not going to do it. Sam does he not likes, like being told what to do at He all. likes to be running contrary to anyone who's giving him any sort of orders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he will, like, vehemently, like, yeah. object, uh, which is interesting in comparison with, like, Dean, because Dean will, like, verbally be like, I don't want to take your yeah. orders or whatever. But ultimately, a lot of the time, he ends up just following yeah. the orders. Like, there are... He there... will fight back and he'll poke holes in it and that, but he's not going to defy orders if the orders are sound. If the orders come from a source he respects. Yes. I think that's I think the, the key. <laughs> yeah. By the orders are sound, I don't necessarily mean the most tactical choice. I mean, in his brain, they seem the most sound. And sometimes... All it takes for them to seem sound to him is to come from a source that he respects or a source that he, he trusts. trusts. Yeah, exactly. Or or he, he a source that he perceives to have greater authority yeah. that, like, he is willing yeah. to bend to. I don't know. I think I just made it more complicated yeah. than it needed to be. But anyway, yes. So bringing it back to what we were originally talking about, which is uh, them discussing how they'll die or, yeah. like, whether they'll still be hunting when they're in their 60s. I think that it's interesting that Sam is, like, so adamant, like, well, maybe we'll be different. And Dean's like, who are you kidding? Like, it ends bloody or it ends sad. That's just the life. And so I think, like I said, there's going to be, like, a really interesting shift in their sort of mentalities over the years. And we can't obviously talk to it to the full extent right now because this is the only mm. the point you've seen up to. But... I yeah, know, I can it something okay. Sam loses all his sense of hope and Dean gains some. Yeah. <laughs> that just flip-flop. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting. I mean, interesting. they flip-flopped a dozen times before. It's fine. Yeah, so it'll be interesting you to... You know, saving people with demon deals is terrible until you do it. Then it's fine. <laughs> it's how it works. Ah, uh, yes. Winchester hypocrisy syndrome. My the morality of an action is dependent on who's doing it, not the action itself. That's actually a really interesting take for the entire show of Supernatural. Because there are so many things where it's like, the boys or one of the boys will make a choice and you're like, man, if you weren't the protagonist and this wasn't framed, like, I'm supposed to understand, like, and I don't have... If I didn't have the context for why you're making that decision, I would, like, think that you were the villain. Like, if I was introduced to you from an outsider's perspective and saw you make that choice, I'd be like, wow, you're a bad person, you know? But it's This is why Meg's the clear protagonist of the show. Anyway. What do you mean she hasn't been in the last, like, 20-odd episodes? I don't care. <laughs> She's the protagonist. I, I'm i sorry. I don't make the rules. She just is. Hmm. All right. Did you have uh, somewhere we can... I have so many points. Yeah, all right. When Wonderful. do I not have points? Sometimes you delete your own notes. I do. <laughs> and then sometimes they get auto-corrected. Like, my first note of the episode was literally, the drunk magician is a dick. And yes. it corrected to, the drunk magician is a duck. <laughs> I called him a twat and it corrected to that. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a he's a dick. Full stop, moving on. Look, honestly, still, my, my favourite note of the episode is new Sam variant just dropped. Magician Sam. Yes. No, I, I do love Magician Sam. I do love him. I also, okay, I have, I have mixed opinions mm-hmm. or mixed emotions on the bit where the two magicians send Dean on a bit of a wild goose yeah. chase. I'm oh, in- I have thoughts about I'm this. interested. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. You go first, because I have a feeling my thoughts will derail this. Okay, wonderful. Okay. 
So I have a couple of thoughts on this. First of all, the guys, the older magicians in this episode really remind me of the night guards in Night at the Museum. Mm -hmm. That's just the vibe that they give me the entire episode. This is irrelevant, but I just wanted to point it out. Yep, that's okay. Thank you. For your validation. I really needed it today. Look, uh, <laughs> if we do one thing in this podcast, it's relating things to children's media that we shouldn't relate to children's media. <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, anyway, so they obviously, they know that Dean's yeah. full of shit, basically. They call him on yeah. his fake ID, which I think is hilarious because I do think this is one of the only times they ever get mm. called on their fake IDs. And I just think it's hilarious that it's they're like, we're magicians. You, you think you're going to fool us? You Our whole morons. job is reading people's body language and mm-hmm. like keeping track of like... And illusions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, of course you're not going to fool We spotted them. all the signs that you were faking it and then your badge just confirmed it. Literally. Like, exactly. So I do think it's fun that they call it. And then obviously they send him to an address and they say ask for chief and yep. so Dean goes okay so he goes he asks for the chief he asks for the chief my first question is and this is we're going to talk about queer Dean here yeah and we're going to talk That's about right. it because if anyone hasn't seen the episode recently and you're having a blank on what happens basically Dean rocks up at this address it's real shady looking like dark alley yeah. like secret entrance type scenario he knocks on the door guy kind of, like, addresses him, and Dean's like, oh, I'm here to see the chief. And the guy's like, right, come on through. Don't touch anything. Dean's like, what? Anyway. Concerning instructions. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, and then Dean is obviously expecting to meet just Some anyone. sort of magician, like a tarot reader, a fake yeah. psychic. Someone in that sort of world. Yes. That's not who he gets. Who he gets is the chief, who is... Because plot twist, it's a sex club. It is. Uh, and the chief comes out in full leather mm-hmm. with a oh god I'm having a mental blank on the name of the thing it's like a whip but it's got like multiple Cat straps. Cat nine tails. Maybe. I know that's a name I'm of thinking, a whip with like multiple. I'm think I think I'm thinking of a different word but yeah. maybe it's the Cat wrong. nine tails is a very specific type of whip. It doesn't normally look like that but that's the only word I can think of for a whip with multiple ends. Yeah. Point is yeah. So it's like a whip with multiple ends. He's in full leather and like a BDSM whip like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And he basically comes out and is like, you know, you're in for a, a good night, big boy, or something yeah. like that. He calls him big boy, and it's... Ooh, the, the only thing mm, of that conversation that really stuck with which me. Which is fucking... Mwah, chef's kiss, loved that. Anyway, Dean has a facial reaction <laughs> that is entertaining to me. The Jacting Joyces. The Jacting Joyces, one. yes, they are. Anyway, and then Dean sort of collects himself a little and says, I think... There's been a mistake, a misunderstanding. I think I've been had. And the other gentleman, the chief, says, oh, you ain't been had till you've been had by the chief. And then he says, before we get started, watch your safe word. (laughs) Now, then it cuts back to Dean. And there is a little bit of like a gagging, like like facial expression. I don't appreciate that. However... I can understand. First, okay, I've got a couple points to make. Now that I've recapped the scene for everybody. I Riveting recap. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. So, (laughs) So I have a couple of thoughts. First thought is these things never happen to Sam. No. These are never situations that Sam ever gets written into. And I would love to sit down with every writer who has ever been on this fucking show and ever specifically written Dean into one of these scenarios where I just want to be like, okay, but explain to me in English, like I'm a child, explain to me why D 
Dean is, is the, the one only one that you ever put in these scenarios. Explain that to me in plain English so we can have no misunderstandings here. Because it's insane. Because not only do they choose for Dean to like investigate this alone, but they also choose for Dean to never explain to Sam what happened. Like, Sam is not involved in this at all. No. For me, the thing about this scene is the implications, right? That's okay. clearly the the yeah. like, the thing about this scene, right? Yeah. It's the implications. Because there appears to be, like, missing time yeah. Yeah. between the scene with the chief and then when Dean is with Sam again. Like, yeah. they both... So... Yeah. We like are to they call that, lying? We like to call that a fan fiction gap. There's a pretty significant one in season nine, but I think this also counts. Like, <laughs> there is clearly enough time for Dean to be had by the chief. Like, yes. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're like, I'm just doing maths. Okay. Like, it seems like there's at least a couple of hours bef- between when we see him go to the sex club yeah. and meet the chief, and then when he happens to be back with Sam, like... Yeah. There's at least enough time for Sam to have gone back to the motel room, been researching or doing whatever he was doing, yeah. have that entire interaction with Ruby, yeah. finish up whatever he was doing, and then go back to the magicians. So what was Dean doing in this time? At the sex club with the chief. Exactly. Okay. And look, here's the thing. I, I know that Plot twist, they weren't actually messing with him. The chief did know something about the death. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. I, okay. So... I want to talk about the, like, gagging motion. Yeah. And here's the thing. I understand that the implication was probably just a homophobic, shitty decision, right? Mm. I get that. I do. However, I choose to ignore that and apply my own context. You know, do you know that quote is like, I reject your reality and I'm substituting my own? Yeah. Yeah. But also the other thing is the entire, the rest of the scene, apart from that tiny, like, two millisecond yeah he doesn't look mad that he's been had yeah he looks he, kind of like he's like oh what am i doing here <laughs> like it's it's like it's like he's had a realization moment the yeah. rest of the scene is all uh-huh. like oh what i might be into this yeah right like, what's happening that i might be into okay this? exactly and i need to appreciate for one hot second that dean winchester is such a bottom i like <laughs> I'm not going to get into that right now, but I, that's, that's my truth (laughs) and I will stand by it. But I want to just talk about the fact that every time, and we've talked about this recently, we talked about this with Abigail in 410, Mm -hmm. every single sex scene that we ever see with Dean, excluding maybe one or two that I can think of off the top of my head, they are always really slow and soft and, like, tender. Like, it's never aggressive like Sam. Like, Sam's sex scenes are, like, weirdly <laughs> aggressive. And I don't know if that's just because Jared pounded, like, he doesn't know how to do, like, tender sex scenes. Or if it's just the writers are shoving Sam into, like, sex scenes with demons constantly mm. for some reason. Okay. Like, literally. So, anyway. Point is, given what we know about Dean, okay, I think that it is entirely possible the, the concept of a, like, sexual practice like BDSM is something that he would not be okay with, like, for himself. Yeah. Because if you think about the kind of trauma that he's been through mm-hmm. in terms of, like, restraints, I think that is something that would probably potentially be triggering. Like, being at, putting yourself in such a vulnerable position and being restrained and also... The show itself doesn't really go into it, but 
there is definitely a lot of discussion in fandom, in fan works, and also from Jensen about the kinds of things that Dean would have had to do when he was younger to have money, to put food on the table when John was away. And some of those things include, in Jensen's own words, turning tricks. And so if you think about, like, the concept of a, like, young, like, teenager having to do that kind of work to get food, to get money, and then having that vulnerability. And then I just, I think that, and this might, this, you know, is just my own interpretation. You know, if you wanted to talk about it with me, please feel free. But I do think it's entirely possible that that reaction of kind of like, oh, is not like, I think that could be interpreted as like, oh, I am not comfortable with that particular aspect, like the concept of, especially he's he's been in hell pretty recently, literally being tortured in ways you can't even begin to imagine. And so I think the combinations of those things and also just his general lifestyle, like he's not about to let himself just get tied up by any old person for any purpose, you know? I actually read that scene differently. Oh, please yeah. go nuts. So, like, you're 100% correct, obviously, about his trauma and that. But mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that it's the idea of the BDSM that's, like, it's the fact that it's a stranger. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think... Let no get into it, please. You're looking like you're like, maybe this is the thing we should talk about. Maybe, please, maybe please this do. is the wrong thing for the pod, but... No. Um, I honestly think that maybe he's just envisioned himself so often as the the top the dominant Mm. the that the idea of him being a sub is something he'd never considered before okay and he's sort of like wait this is something i'm into like yeah he's kind of like obviously he's not gonna trust some random dude named the chief yeah but like (laughs) i definitely think that if he found someone that he could like trust himself to be vulnerable with Mm -hmm. like not having to pretend to be someone who's like yeah. In control, in charge. Like, we see it when he's with, like, Cassie, like, the mm-hmm. in Route 666. Like, yeah. he's not being dominant. He's not being yeah. – he's being very te- – like, this is something where, like, if he could feel that connection with someone and he could trust them, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that it's, like – I don't have a PhD in Dean Winchester, but, like, <laughs> you, like for me, like, I've certainly seen cases where it's characters who have this dra- trauma and they find it – healing because it's sort of reclaiming those memories Mm -hmm. and especially when you consider you brought up dean's time in hell and yes he did spend some of his time in hell being tortured he also spent a lot of his time torturing other people yeah so it's like to um sort of reclaim and recontextualize that in his memories Mm. as something that's not necessarily like fear inducing yeah might be something that he's like he feels attracted to, he feels a pull towards Mm -hmm. because he wants to be able to reclaim that for himself. Yes. Okay. I'm loving everywhere your brain is right now. And I do just want to say for anyone who is listening, Jamie obviously is staying away from supernatural fanfic because of spoilers and bits and pieces. However, for anyone who has read four letter word for intercourse, if you haven't, I would highly recommend reading it. If as long as you're like okay with like some explicit content, I mean we've just done an entire section basically about kink <laughs> on the podcast. I hope that whoever's listening is okay. You've made it this far. <laughs> I a full little word for intercourse. If if you're in fandom, I I assume you've at least heard of it. You may have seen it abbreviated as the number four LW, uh, or just four letter word. 
It is such a good fic. I will quickly find who wrote it. But the whole concept that you were just going through where, you know, if he found someone that he was comfortable with, you know, I, you know, you think that that would be something that he would actually like enjoy or like be interested in. If, if you would all agree with Jamie or like would be interested in that concept, I think, uh, for Little Wife End Course is definitely, definitely a fic that you would probably enjoy. And I'm just, I'm so quickly going to pull up the author. For me, like, I didn't necessarily read that as like, he's not interested in it as at all. It's sort mm-hmm. of like, like that, that moment of like, well, wait, am I interested in this? Yeah. Like, am, like, I'm not the awakening as, of it all. I'm not as turned off by that thought as I thought I would be. Yeah. And you can like, almost interpret the like gagging as like a performance as well. Yeah. Because no one else is there. Yeah. It's only the chief, which yeah. means that he's only making that motion for the sake of the chief. Yeah. Beyond anything because he can't see himself. No. And you know, it's yeah, it's it's definitely a really interesting seen for a number of reasons but ultimately beyond anything i just want to ask the writers okay but why only dean like every time only dean give me an give me a fucking straight explanation for that i dare you yeah anyway uh the author is bending signpost so for a four letter word for intercourse by bending signpost this is a, a bethany recommendation uh it's a it's a fantastic fic uh would highly recommend but no. So, like, yeah, for me, I interpreted that scene a bit differently. I was a bit like, I don't know if it's necessarily, like, him gagging at the entire idea of it. I think it's just he's never let himself consider that he's not necessarily... Opposed. Yeah. And and he's also, anytime he probably had thought about that, he'd imagined himself being, you know, the dominant. He'd, he'd imagined himself doing that, and then it's like... He went to hell. He tortured people for a decade. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, so any thoughts that he had around that previously have all all sort of been flipped on their heads because (laughs) (laughs) um, they've all been flipped on their head because, like, now it's sort of like the thought of him being mean to anybody is probably, like, a really PG way of saying that. Yeah. We're going to get – this is such a bizarre take. I really was not expecting this episode to go the way this that it has but we do actually get some information on dean and kinks in a particular episode in season five so look forward to that uh and it does actually like the topics that we've just covered will kind of be relevant uh in terms of performance and things that he may not have considered he'd be into but turns out he is (laughs) so we will we will come back to this uh, for anyone listening, we all know about Rhonda Hurley and Jamie is not far away. <laughs> and we are all moving right along. We are. <laughs> because I have no idea what you're speaking about anymore and that doesn't make for good podcasting content. <laughs> um, so I will just, there is a line in here that I want to talk about. I don't have anything really to say. I have like the line and a comment and the line is, it's like evil bitches are piling out of the Volkswagen and I would just like to say that I miss my favorite evil bitch (laughs) we know I know I promise you get Meg soon I promise I promise I miss Meg it's the one spoiler I'll allow you you get Meg soon I just I wanted to come into the episode driving a Volkswagen now that's all I want that would be that would be a vibe it's not what happens but it would be a vibe (laughs) 
oh, okay, we didn't touch on this before when we were talking about Sam and Ruby. However, one other important plot thing that came up in their conversation is that the demons have successfully broken 34 of the required 60 seals. I would just like to say... Sorry, 66 seals. A quick congratulations to Lilith. She's girl bossing <laughs> it up. She's achieving her dreams. Like, she thought it was possible. She's doing it. Like <laughs> She made some smart goals. Yeah. They were specific, measurable. Attainable. Realistic and timely. <laughs> Could have been smoother, but it's okay. We got there. God, if I, I learned nothing else in PLP except the acronym for SMART goals. But no, like, I would just like to say a quick congratulations to Lilith. Like, she's the only one who theme, things seem to be going to plan for. Like, yeah, actually, that's a good fucking point. No one else is doing anything the, the way that they're intending to. They're Either they're just kind of tripping and falling into good fortune, or everything's just going to shit. Like, the angels are fucked. None of their plans are working. The angels are losing, quote mm-hmm. Ruby. Dean and Sam are just sort of, like, fucking around and finding out and hoping what they're doing's hoping. <laughs> Nothing like, new there. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. the rest of the hunting community still pretty well... Oblivious. Oblivious. Which, I'm sorry, but if John had just allowed them to be part of the hunting community, yeah. half of this shit could be fucking avoided. Because imagine if instead of just having Sam and Dean trying to help the angels stopping breaking all the seals, mm-hmm. they had been able to reach out to like two dozen hunters across the country. It does make you wonder why the angels aren't employing the aid of more hunters. Exactly. Like, what's your plan there, guys? Also, I have to know. Something that it comes up a lot, in particularly American media, but I suppose any media that is like developed in a particular country, yeah. is it so centralized on that one country? Yeah. And Are there like, not seals that have to be broken in like England, right? Or like, like what about Germany or literally China any other or country? Vietnam or right? Australia or Brazil right? or fucking the Philippines? Like, Thank you. I'm like, why? Like, are there no Canadian seals? Because if I was Lilith, right? I would just be breaking every seal that exists in the Southern Hemisphere. Because then what are Sam and Dean going to do? Dean can't even get on a plane without having a panic attack. And if I'm Lilith, I can basically move like fucking nothing. I could just... I Like, what? You're not confined to America. Right? You can go to Mexico, for God's right? sake. Right? What are like, they going to do? Go to fucking Mexico? Like... Yeah. It's an American TV show. They like to pretend that Mexico doesn't exist. I I just, it's just a question that I've always kind of had. And this just felt like an appropriate time to bring it up because like, yeah, actually it would be really easy to break way more seals than they're able to prevent because I would just go somewhere that they refuse to acknowledge, which is just anywhere on planet earth that isn't within the United States. (laughs) It would be only so easy. Like, 66 seals? There aren't even 60, like... There are 600 seals. I'm sure 66 of them are not located in the US. Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah, that would just be the most ridiculous bullshit of all time. Anyway. The American exceptionalism is real. Like... Mm -hmm. Also, like, just just from, like, a maths perspective, what, there are, like, 52 states in the US? Is that right? Or is that 50? Am I stupid? There's... I think, depending on whether you're accounting just states or states and territories, it changes. Okay. There's, there's approximately 50. there's approximately fifty yeah. states in the US. If there are if there are six hundred and sixty six seals, you're looking at like a hundred seals per state. Yeah. Over. Yeah. Like my wait, that can't be. No, right. that's not right. That's wrong. <laughs> I was I was gonna be like oh, I was like eleven, and then I was yeah. trying to figure out. I was like no, that's five hundred fifty five. There's like twelve. Yeah. 
that means there has to be like 12 seals per state. And, like, American states, I'm pretty sure, are, like, smaller than Australian states. Oh, yeah, way smaller. So, like... With exceptions. Like, Texas is not their biggest state. I'm pretty sure their biggest state is Alaska. But, like, Alaska doesn't have any fucking seals. What? How I'm going to I'm gonna assume. Because they're not Jamie? saying, like, they're fighting in Alaska. Like, <laughs> I'm assuming they're all in mainland US. I'm really sorry, Puerto Rico and Alaska, you get no seals. And also Hawaii. Yeah, I was going to say Hawaii. You guys get no seals. Yeah. It's just mainland <laughs> US. Just, but that makes that even more concentrated yeah. within the mainland. Which is, this is just the dumbest. Yeah. Like, no. I just, if I was Lilith, I'd be like, right, I'm going to break every seal in New Zealand. Because no one is going. <laughs> like... Like, it would only be so easy. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to break the seals in Hobbiton. That'd be lit. I get to hang out in a great tourist location. Yeah. Um, it, New Zealand is a beautiful country. Yeah. If you ever have the opportunity, I would highly He's recommend you go the there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway. I mean, there are more sheep than people in New Zealand. Literally. The ratio is insane. Yeah. And like, look. Well, if- is there a hunting community in New Zealand now? Like, well, maybe we do. We do find out about some international hunting a little bit like, um, actually, you know what? I was going to, I was going to explain it through Harry Potter and I'm just not, I'm so done with, I, I've fallen back on, on, I, I can't JK Rowling. with the new, I can't like, I used to be like, look, I'll still reference Harry Potter because it's a really easy reference for everybody to understand. Most, the, the majority of people will understand a Harry Potter reference mm-hmm. just because of cultural, like, yeah bleed but with the announcement of her new book i just can't anymore i can't take it seriously i that fucking turf it just needs to go away i can't remember what we're saying we're talking about the hunting community internationally yeah we do we do get a little bit of in later seasons we do find out a little bit more about like what's oh it's like when you find out that like you know, popular Australian clothing clothing brand Cotton On is somehow international. Yeah, which is hilarious because no one likes Cotton On. <laughs> like, of all of the brands yeah. to be popular overseas, I can't believe it's fucking Cotton On. Yeah. Which, like, look, look, Cotton On is fine. Yeah. It's fine. But it's essentially just expensive Kmart. Yeah. So it's like, what's the point? But yeah, basically it's like when you find a brand that was just in your country and you find out they have, like, stores overseas. Yeah. And you're like... That, that's the vibe. Mm. Not that I know the vibe because I haven't seen those episodes yet, but that's what I'm assuming it's mm. like. Oh, I do want to talk about how Sam and Dean are morons. Uh, I love them, but they're stupid. The part when they break into Jay's room and they've got him at gunpoint, I think it's so funny when they're having that discussion, like Sam's like, something's wrong here. Usually they're like throwing some magic at us yeah. by now. And Dean's like, yeah, what do you want to do? And they fucking tie him to a chair. But they and tie then- him and then, to a chair. And then leave him unattended. This dude who's literally built his entire career on getting out of like handcuffs and literally. ropes and shit like that. Who has already slipped Sam because, and I quote, he is a magician. You fucking dipshits. And then sometimes they, realize- they really lean into the fact that these two are himbos, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> Dude. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. But I was like, you guys, come on. And then they don't even think to check the other like through the door that is clearly in the other room they don't check the apartment they're like oh he must have left and so they leave i'm like you guys that is literally the oldest trick in the book like come on come on anyway i love them but god they're dumb sometimes i will say something about this episode gave me like mystery spot vibes oh okay i don't know what it is but just something about this episode gave me mystery spot vibes actually i can i kind of get that yeah i kind of get that i think it's the the air of mischief 
Yeah. Like, it's because what's going on is kind of... It's almost just desserts, which is kind of the trickster's usual MO. Mm -hmm. So I I do actually... Like, I wouldn't have made that connection myself, but I do kind of appreciate that you did. Yeah. Like, there's just something about, like, a vibe or something that's, like, very very similar energy to Mystery Spot. Yeah, actually. And or even more... Not that we usually like Tall Tales, but I do think that it's almost more similar to Tall Tales in the sense that, like... The people who die, we're kind of like, wow, you kind of suck. Mm. And, like, they die. And we're like, oh, it's like they didn't yeah. deserve to die. But also, we're not that sad because, like, we thought they were kind of dicks. Yeah. So, like, the first dude was a dick to service workers. You know how I feel about that. Yeah, exactly. And then the second guy, like, look, he was a bit of a twat. Let's, yeah. be, let's, let's just call it how it is. But I do actually want to very quickly, on that note of the, the other two magicians, particularly, was it Jeb? The second guy who died, who had like the eye makeup and the metal, yeah, and I'm the pretty sure intense that's his music, name. I don't know. yeah, who got uh, hung by the confusing rope. So, I do think it's a really, really interesting topic that they kind of broached, which is when at the very beginning of the episode, they are watching Jeb perf- like practice his act, yeah, and they're talking about how you know he's like, oh, this is ridiculous, blah 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 blah, and I liked the fact that one of them said. That used to be us. I did kind of like that because it reminded me of this particular, like, concept, which is basically, like, people don't like change and they don't like things that are different from how they understood them. And so oftentimes what you can see happening across generational divides is older generations tend to belittle or make fun of the choices or interests of the younger generations because they're like, oh, that's ridiculous. Back in my day, we did serious business or whatever. And it's kind of like, for example, you know, the way that older generations stereotypically and generalizing, by the way, will often belittle things like video games, for example, or technology and, you know, all these kids. Back in my day, we played outside. Yeah, exactly that. That It's two sticks in some mud. Exactly. (laughs) That exact mentality. And what's interesting is even though that feels like quite a modern, like, situation you can actually like look back through historical sources and see the back same in my day, we complaints. didn't have two sticks and some mud we had this exactly you can see those exact same complaints being made about things like books like reading like oh kids these days with their reading you know and their fantasy books or you can see it for like uh actually relevant to this episode playing cards hmm. the concept of playing cards at one point was viewed the same way or a very similar way to which older generations will stereotypically typically view younger generations playing video games. And it's fascinating, this mindset. And it's just like, well, we didn't do that when I was young. It's different and I don't understand it. We didn't watch TV back in my day. We had the radio. Exactly. And then, oh, back in my day, we didn't have the radio. We had books. Exactly. And before books, we had whatever. And We had the outside in our imagination. Exactly. And so it's this really interesting concept of, I, I like the fact that they said that used to be us because they're acknowledging, like, we used to be the, the boundary young... pushes, the yeah. new thing. We changed exactly. the game. Exactly. How can we be mad at them for doing the same thing? Exactly. And that idea of, like, when they were the young people at the forefront, there would have been older people looking at them going, oh, look at this, you know, young it's all whippersnapper. It's There's no substance Exactly. There. It just goes on infinitely. Like... There is no beginning and there is no end. It's just sort of human nature. And like I said, this is a generalization. Don't look at me. I'm looking, I'm very much looking forward to being able to like slander whatever the kids are doing in 20 years. Cannot wait to be an old person. (laughs) But like, 
yeah, I just, I thought it was a really interesting, I just, I really appreciated the inclusion of the phrase that used to be us because I think that it adds a different lens to an otherwise pretty whatever scene. I mean, he's about, a douchebag. Like, yeah. the dude is a douchebag. But also, the, the guy is a dick. But, but that is independent of his show being kind of ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So the fact that he's an asshole is completely a different point compared to talking about the way that he is a performer. Yeah. And so the fact that what could have just been a scene about, like, some older guys just completely slagging off this mm. new upcomer because they don't understand it and they don't get it yeah. and, you know, it's not like the good old days, became, I think, a really interesting commentary on, like, well, once upon a time, that was us and there would have been you know, old people in the audience thinking the same thing. Yeah. And so, like, who are we to repeat that, you know? And so I just – I've probably gone on about it more than it's worth, but I do think 100%. it's just a really – That's the whole podcast, though, so it's fine. That's a good point. I'm full of run-on ideas and sentences. I just – I thought it was a nice touch. And whether or not it was intentional, I don't know, but I just – I appreciated it. I just really quickly want to talk about how disappointed I was in this episode oh. and their use of the lighting. Oh, yeah, even I noticed. It was, like – kind of really bad and i was like when it was revealed that it was actually magicians i was like they can do some really fun and clever things with like the staging yeah and like the lighting and like they're doing a whole bunch of this stuff on stages so they can make really fun use of spotlights and then like i personally really i really adored the set design and like the I like the red lamps. Yes. Yeah. I I really enjoyed a lot of that sort of stuff, like the set dressing and the decoration and, like, the overall design of the spaces. Yeah. But then I was just so disappointed by how they used the lighting in the Mm -hmm. episode because it just – I know it just felt like you've been given this, like, golden opportunity on a plate and then they sort of just did the same thing that they always do. Yeah, and actually I think it was particularly worse this episode because even I noticed – like, I obviously know that Supernatural Mm -hmm. is a dark show – but this episode was glaringly dark, which is a weird way to describe it, I realise, but I'm just going to stick with it. Especially in the scene where Sam and Dean are talking about, like, oh, like, what if we're still doing this when we're old, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, the window in that scene is so fucking blindingly white bright, and then the rest of the scene is literally black. Yeah. Like, you can barely see Dean in that scene, and Sam is, like, well lit. It's a very confusing and bizarre like maybe Jensen Adicles did something to piss off the lighting designer. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. They're like, I'm just not gonna light you this scene. <laughs> Although what is actually interesting about the lighting, and I don't know if you noticed, but I did, is a lot this season, from actually the first episode of the season, Lazarus Rising, mm. we've had Sam lit with red a lot. Yeah. And like to the effect of I can't remember which episode it is. It may have been towards the beginning of the season, maybe 403, when Sam is leaving the motel and he opens the door. And even when he walks out, he's walking into, like, oh, the red like haze. Oh, like the 403, 404 sort of, like, combined double feature thingy-mabob that they did when um, it was oh, yes. Dean went back in time and then Sam was with Ruby. And then yeah. it was like, what, you did last summer or something is the episode title? Uh, so four... I know what you did last summer is, is 404, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and then because, 403 yeah. is in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. When Sam leaves the motel in the beginning of In the Beginning, (laughs) I think, is when it happens. But yeah, there's like a red... At the start of In the Beginning. Yes. There's like a red haze that he like walks out into. It it may be another episode, but I'm pretty sure it's that one. And it happens again in this episode. A lot of Sam's shots, he's lit at least with half of his face in like a red tint. Mm. I do think it's interesting. And it's something that is ongoing now through at least these last 16 episodes. Yeah. Sorry, 12 episodes. 
It's it's really weird because yeah, this season like the lightning feels way more intentional, mm-hmm. and that's why I was so disappointed when they did literally nothing with like the concept of spotlights. Like you get a single scene with a spotlight in it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's like just general stage lighting. It's yeah. like you could have had so much fun with the lighting. You're working in theaters with spotlights. Yeah, although we do we do get the uh, interesting like shadows because we get to see the performances that Jay yeah. is doing. And so you have the shadow so you can see what's happening behind the curtain, which by the way, complete side note, I don't know about you. I cannot watch like death defying type magic tricks. They make me so anxious. Like I love a good magic show. Don't get me wrong, but I can't do the ones where they're like, if I don't get out of this within the time limit, I'm going to die in front of you on stage. I'm like, cool. I'm going to leave. <laughs> Because what if it goes wrong? But the one thing that it always makes me think of is, did you ever watch uh, Now You See Me? Yes. The scene where they recruit, like, the the girl, um, Amy Amy Adams' character? I only saw it once, and it was, like, whenever the movie came out. So it's been a few years. But, no, basically her introduction scene as a magician is, like, she's one of the magicians who does, like, death-defying stunts, and she does this stunt where, like, if she doesn't get up, she gets dropped into a tank of piranhas. Mm. Oh, I do remember that. She gets, like dropped into the tank of piranhas, air quotes around that. Yeah. And so, like, the tank goes all red, and you're like, oh, no, she's dead. And then she's at the back, like, you sick fucks, like, how? Like, and she's, like, at the back, and, like, they all turn around, and, like, she's standing there completely fine because she managed to get out of it in time. Yeah. But, like, she's, like, and that's what I always think about with these sort of scenes, Mm -hmm. and I just don't think anything's, like, topped that because, for me, like, I really can enjoy that, like, so it's, like, this sort of stuff where it's, like, it just, like, cuts to him standing there, like, clueless because obviously he doesn't know what the fuck's happening yeah he doesn't know how he got out of it he didn't even intend to get out of it yeah and i think that what's really funny for me about this episode and it's probably like my one critique on the writing of jay because i do really like jay i think he's a good dude and i think he's an interesting character he's trying his best he is i think my one critique is that he knew that he went into that trick not expecting to make it and then he didn't know how the fuck he got out of it. And that didn't tip him off that something was wrong. Yeah. And then he's like going on like, I can do all these things now. I'm such a good magician. And it's like, mm. or something funky is happening. And also yeah. like, and then Sam and Dean came and told him, hey, something funky's happening. And he was like, no, it's not. And it's like, I understand being in denial. So yeah. like, I, I guess you could like play it off on that. But I am surprised that it took him for charlie to die for him to be like oh something is funky yeah rather than just being like actually that's a good point because i fully intended to let those knives kill me and i wasn't even trying to get out i was just gonna go and yet suddenly you know like i was perfectly fine with basically being remembered as the magician who died on stage like died for his craft or whatever like yeah exactly exactly and so i do think it's interesting that it took him so long to like sort of connect those dots you know or sort of face the reality Okay, I will just say, though, I was kind of expecting that final scene, like the final battle between Charlie and Jay and the Winchesters mm-hmm. and blah, 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 um, when they're, like, so convinced it's Vernon and then it turns out, plot twist, Charlie's not dead, he's actually secretly immortal. Mm-hmm. I was just waiting for, like, Sam's powers to come out. Like, yeah, actually, I was just that's waiting a good point. for that to be, like, how that scene played out. And, like, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy that they made it sort of, like, 
Jay made the sacrifice of his closest friend mm. to stop him because he was so powerful and, like, it works for the parallels and, like, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, like, I was just waiting for, like, literally any of Sam's powers to come out. What would have been really fucking interesting, especially for the parallels, and actually I didn't think of this, yeah. so I'm glad that you brought it up, but if it had been a Sam versus Charlie scenario yeah. and then Jay made the same decision and that's what took – I think that that would have actually ex- – like made those parallels even more yeah. like specific because it's Jay having the like having the ability to do the thing that Dean is worried that he's going to have to do or that people keep telling Dean he yeah. has to do and I think that it would have like really driven that point home if it had been both Charlie and Sam exhibiting their magic yeah. like abilities I think that would have really been quite effective um, I realized I did have one other point. Okay, yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to say to that? Or you? No, that was all I wanted to. I just wanted to say it felt really weird that they didn't. Yeah, it especially felt like given they were the conversation kind of with Ruby. Setting it up to that, and then yeah. they just didn't. And I was like, okay. Yeah, he didn't even try. No. Which is, you'd think that he would at least try, especially. Uh, when it looked like the t- tides were turning and like there was no way they were going to survive. And like, I'm pretty sure, is it Dean who's like choking? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like. I was expecting that to be the thing that's like, Set Sam oh, off. yeah, like I gotta fix this. Yeah, I can't keep like repressing it. Like I've gotta like use it because otherwise Dean's gonna die mm-hmm. um, again. Yeah, yeah. I oh, we forgot to mention they do have a joke in this episode where uh, Dean's like, "We've already died, Sam." Like Sam's like, "Really? You think we're gonna die young?" He's like, "Haven't we both already?" And I do think that's kind of funny. But I have one final point, which is that Vernon decides that he is never going to speak to Jay again. And I think that's a dick move. Like, yes, he killed Charlie. Charlie was a power-hungry dick. Yeah, Charlie was trying to kill the rest of yous. Yeah. Like, I... No, he would have let Vernon live. Well, yeah, but, like, (laughs) so what, Vernon was okay? Like, yeah. so it's the, it, interesting because I do think that that kind of infers that Vernon would have gone with Charlie, would have been corrupted by the promises of power and, like, immor- immortality and, like, to be young again. You know what I would love to see? Mm. Like, three, four seasons down the track, if we find Vernon again, and he, like, for some somehow, like, some magic voodoo explanation, the grimoire made its way to, to Vernon, Vernon, and then Vernon... Carried on. Carried on. And then it's sort of like this cycle of corruption yeah um and then you could add significance to the grimoire Mm. i don't think they're ever going to do that because yeah it is let's face it they killed off like fucking gordon and henrickson and like any potential like reoccurring plot thread yeah they're pretty well like the only one they haven't killed off at this point is the trickster like yeah (laughs) and that's only because sam and dean physically cannot kill him (laughs) because he's an angel Oh, <laughs> so actually, I got it in there. What, what is I am? Um, I oh, hey, yeah. look, look. I was gonna say something, but I'm not because I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna enable this. So one other thing that is actually kind of interesting uh, that I forgot to to bring up earlier is that Vernon at the end decides to give up magic. And, like, fully – not Vernon, sorry. Uh, Jay, at the end, decides to give up magic and he leaves the cards and he goes, you know, keep them, chuck them out. I don't care. And I do think that's interesting if you consider 
the parallels we were talking about earlier. So if, and I, I, I want to ask you about this, if Sam did die, because we've seen what happens if Dean dies and Sam goes off the rails, what do you think Dean's reaction would be if Sam died? Do you think he would give up hunting as the same metaphor as Jay giving up magic? I think he would want to give up hunting. Mm-hmm. But, like, let's face it, that boy does not realise that's an option. Yeah. Because <laughs> if he realised that was an option, he would not still be hunting. Mm. Like, for him and his brain, it's like, if I'm not hunting, people are going to die, so therefore I cannot give up hunting. Yeah. Like, so I, I don't even think, like, the loss of Sam would mean that Dean's brain would be like, mm. no, nah, that's it. I'm, I mean, maybe there is, like other circumstances surrounding Sam's death that would maybe trigger that. Like if but, it was a revenge thing. Yeah, but I I don't necessarily think that just Sam dying alone would be enough for Dean to be like, no, I'm just like, I'm packing it all in. Like, yeah. this is an option for me now. I think maybe if like they get through and like they, like they stop the apocalypse or whatever and it seems like everything's safe and like Sam died as part of stopping the apocalypse. Yeah, or if Sam got like hit by a bus the day after or some yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> like I think maybe then if he like in his brain he could justify no longer sacrificing his entire life to save other people. Yeah. Like maybe, but like I think um like he's been so badly conditioned that his life is worth less than the lives of everyone around him, including, like, Sam. And, hell, even John's life is worth more than his own. Even the random civilians that he's met 20 minutes ago mm-hmm. is worth more than his own life. Yeah. Like, there is no limit to what this man thinks other people's lives are worth. Mm-hmm. And he values his life not at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a, a very astute analysis like yeah it's also depressing as hell it is depressing as hell but this is supernatural so are we surprised also i'm pretty no. sure he knows the king of hell so like they just i mean it's sam they'd be vibing like sam's, sam's getting there like yeah <laughs> all right did you have any final points i think i'm actually wrapped up now one final point okay bethany what do you think my psa of the day is gonna oh, be shit. um Oh, okay, okay, uh, okay, PSA, Mm -hmm. my guess, Mm -hmm. I think it is commit to your passions and follow your dreams because, right, you, Magician Sam would have been so much fun. Magician Sam would have been so much fun and also, like, it's just fun you know like not everyone not everyone is built for a nine to five some people are are built to have different careers and if you say hey mom or dad or whoever i want to be a magician and they're like huh you'll never be a magician well prove them wrong if you want to be a fucking magician you'd be a fucking magician you're wrong oh well i'm not wrong it's just not the same psa that you were going to provide us if you are planning on doing a death-defying stunt in front of a room full of, like, 150 to 200 people, train the death-defying stunt first so that you don't accidentally die and scar hundreds mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. That is my PSA for the day. It's the same, like, thing. Like, please don't... It's like the whole, please don't try this at home. Everyone in this don't video is a trained professional. Don't traumatise other people <laughs> because you don't think... 
that like because you want to go out in a blaze of glory essentially yeah. like don't put that on other people like that's yeah. a dick fucking move mm-hmm. that's that's my whole fear with these kinds of magic that i'm like i don't want to see someone die i don't like no i what why would i risk that i would like to not see Thank somebody you. else die yeah like, yeah if you're doing these sort of tricks if you're doing these sort of stunts Actually train and make sure you can pull them off mm-hmm. before you do them with life or death stakes. And do them with fucking backup plans. My God, please. Don't do them like fucking Jay does where he's just fully prepared to die in front of like a hundred people. Yeah, because that's just kind of fucked up. That's traumatizing to the hundred people there. Why are you Why are you traumatizing people because you want to go out in a blaze of glory? Mm-hmm. Like that's a fucking dick move. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's my point. Okay, cool. I think with very specific. I think (laughs) there could be a magician listening to this podcast. There could be. It's possible. (laughs) Reach out to us on Twitter if you're a magician (laughs) listening to the podcast. What's your favorite card trick? So I think that just about does it. Thank you so very much for listening to this week's episode. If you wanted to interact with us for any reason other than just listening to us ramble on in your ear for about an hour every week, you can always find us on any of our socials. The link is in the episode description. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, Discord, TikTok, probably at some point. We're there. We just haven't done anything yet. But hey. We have the username. Yeah, it's sitting there. We've got a we've got a profile picture and all. You Occasionally can... I crash cages like Exactly. Streams. Tag us in stuff. We'll be there. <laughs> anyway, if you did want to interact with us, some potential topics of conversation could include my giant blood nose. Oh my god. Holy shit. <laughs> Sam coded. Oh my god. If you think Beth is actually the one who Sam coded and not me. After that brief intermission, uh <laughs> You know what we haven't done? What? My ratings or predictions. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. So, good thing we have that to cut. Fuck, all right. Oh, um, my God. Jesus, you can tell I'm sleep deprived. Okay, forgot your PSA, forgot ratings, forgot predictions, mm-hmm. yep. got a blood nose. Wow, I... It's been an eventful day. Yeah, so, I think that brings us to the end of today's episode. Jamie, how would you rate 412 Chris Angel is a juice... It's a juice box? It's a juice box, Chris yeah. Angel's a juice box. <laughs> How would you rate It's episode... like they try to rewrite it with a more family-friendly title. <laughs> I think the concept of someone being a juice box... Actually, there's a really funny Tumblr post that becomes kind of meta about that exact concept. We'll come back to that in Season 8. So... <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I can't be just not psychic for one goddamn episode. Okay, so... How do you feel about episode 412, Chris Angel is a douchebag, what's your rating out of five? I'm going to give it three and a half out of five. It was fine. It was acceptable. It was a fun episode, but like not fun enough for me to give it more. You know? No, I get it. It was an above average ep. Excellent. Okay. I'm glad that you enjoyed it, even if it was only a smidgen. The next episode is called After School Special. I did kind of earlier give you a bit of an idea about some of the themes in it, but do you have any particular predictions or hopes or fears or dreams or desires about that episode? I have heard the name After School Special a lot in the fandom. Yeah, this is a big one. I... For a variety of reasons. I don't know why it's a big one in the fandom. I just know that I've seen the name of it. I don't know. Maybe there's like a high school reunion or something. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe it's like... 
I don't know, fucking a murder on Sesame Street. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> like Big Bird. Yeah. Big Bird has just taken out Elmo. Yeah. Or maybe... <laughs> maybe there's a creature that just looks like Big Bird, but it's actually a monster. That, honestly, stuff that's not that dissimilar has happened. We've had the giant teddy bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, in future, we will have a giant stuffed dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not it's not out the realm of possibility to have murder Big Bird. That's it. That's my prediction. Murder Big Bird. Murder Big Bird. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> and I think... That Though I will say, I do think it has something to do with, like, schools of some sort. Okay. Schools is in the education facility or schools is in fish? Fish, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Just wanted to double check. I thought we were thinking on the same page. Yeah. Just had to make sure. Wonderful. So this is going to be like a Finding Nemo type yeah. scenario. <laughs> but it's actually Big Bird that's possessed. Okay. And he keeps on like murdering the fish. I am really confused. But look, you know what? Sure. <laughs> so if you wanted to interact with us, if you wanted to discuss whatever that was with Jamie, if you wanted to ask us questions, or if you had any thoughts or opinions you wanted to share on this episode, you can always find us on any of our social medias. The link is in the description below. We are on Twitter, Tumblr, Discord, TikTok. We're there. We don't do much, but we're there. So if you want to tag us in anything, obviously just make sure it's relatively spoiler-free because Jamie does all oh, work. Add a disclaimer. Yeah, put a disclaimer. If you're gonna let's tag face us- it, I'm the only one who uses the TikTok because you've got your own. That's true. Yes, if you want to tag me in a TikTok, you can use my user, which is at Beth from the pod. Uh, and if you want to tag just the pod in general or Jamie specifically, you can use the Driver Picks pod. Which is actually user, linked in our... Which is linked in the description. I It's in the link tree, I think. It's in the link tree. Look, do you know what? You know how links work. It's fine. Yeah. Click it. You'll see it. It'll it'll be fine. We're everywhere. Just We're Google everywhere. like Driver Picks the podcast and you'll find us. Exactly. You might find some if... remnants of Abigail's previous <laughs> podcast. Exactly. But... Look, if... if if I mean, that would be episode. Option. If you're at season four, episode twelve of this podcast, you fucking know where we are. If you want to come chat to us, please do. By all means, we'd be more than happy to hang out. Please expand on like Magician Sam for us. Yes. Oh my god, go to the Fic and Fic Writers mm-hmm. channel in our Discord and let's absolutely group project collab. Let's put this fic together or chuck us your favorite like Sam head cannons when it comes to like. If you have some spoiler-free, like, witch Sam kind of headcanons, or just magic Sam headcanons, they're always fun. I'd also love fan art of that, of your favourite evil bitch in a Volkswagen. Oh, yes. Love that. Or even... Okay, we've talked a lot about, like, Sam's, like, teenage phases. Like, he yeah. had his theatre kid phase, which mm-hmm. Jamie will find out about later. He had his magician phase. I want to know what Dean's, like phase was like i kind of imagine that dean would get really into D, but he'd be super embarrassed about it you know like i can just see it so i mean there's a live action role-playing episode isn't there yeah larp and the real girl that is a season eight treasure so we'll get there (laughs) anyway if you wanted to get in touch that's how you do it hopefully you enjoyed this episode and hopefully we will have you back next week for after school special Bye. bye